FMX Network production. You cast me, I'll complete me till death do all part. What's up, guys? It's Alex Gray, and you're listening to the Pulp MX Wrap-Up Show. That's all we need is more fake news, Pulp MX bullshit. It's quality, not quantity, all right, man? What's up? This is Darkside for the Moto X Pod Show. Welcome to the Pulp MX Wrap-Up Show, the number one moto wrap-up show in the industry. And I'm here to discuss this week's Pulp MX Show with a couple guests. But first, let me tell you about our awesome sponsors. Guts Racing was established in 1990 as a premier off-highway seat manufacturing company, offering high-performance seat covers and foam for motocross, supercross, even off-road competition. Guts Racing has worked with every top rider at some point of their career, from Steve Lampson to Jeremy McGrath in the 90s, Ricky Carmichael and James Stewart in the 2000s, and today with Rockstar Husky Pro Circuit Kawasaki and JGR Suzuki, as well as many others. If it's style and performance you want, you've come to the right place. Check out GutsRacing.com for info on the many products offered, such as the Phantom Light Seat Foam. And listen, you know all about Michelin Motorcycle Tires from the Pulp MX Show, and now I'm excited to announce the Michelin Bicycle Tires as a proud sponsor of the Pulp MX Wrap-Up Show. In 1891, Michelin patented the first detachable bead pneumatic bicycle tire, and to this day, Michelin continues to innovate and produce world-class podium finishing products for both road and mountain bikes. If you'd like to ride the same Michelin bicycle tires as mountain bike legend Cam Zink and the 2019 EWS champion Sam Hill, then visit bike.michelin.com for all the details on Michelin's extensive range of bicycle products and follow them on Instagram at Michelin Bicycle. And of course, those who ride dirt bikes, motorcycles, ATVs, and UTVs know Motosport is the best place for OEM and aftermarket parts, riding gear, and accessories. Motorsport.com's dedicated team of gearheads have the knowledge and expertise to help get your ride working at peak performance and have you looking good, too. Whether you race on the track, ride on the trails, or commute on the street, make your next ride your best ride only at Motosport.com. And I want to welcome on our new sponsor, Seal Savers. Since 1999, Seal Savers has offered the ultimate protection of the off-road industry. Seal Savers is the original fork seal protection, starting with the original Seal Savers to prevent dirt, dust, and mud from getting into your fork seals. Seal Savers has since revolutionized fork seal protection with their zip-on Seal Savers, making installation a breeze. So check out their full line of moto products as well as intuitive products for your side-by-side. Seal Savers is the original and the ultimate when it comes to protection. Enter the code PULP25 for 25% off at sealsavers.com. Hey, and don't forget to visit pulpmexshow.com for sponsor links and discount codes as well as the Amazon widget. If you want to be on the Pulpmex Wrap-Up Show with me to talk about the Pulpmex Show or you want to contribute a question or topic for the Hello Pookie segment, send it to darkside at pulpmex.com. Okay, let's get to our guests. This is Thin Tits. He went yeah. down a cup size. Right. What I'm saying is 10 years from now, okay, they're going to be honest. Yeah, so, I, I wouldn't you Wouldn't you want to know what's going on in Roxon's head? Was it his knee braces? The, the stupid purchase. Pedaling on a regular bike is boring. Is Rarick helping you out, or is he mostly just scrolling Tinder? Uh, mostly scrolling Tinder. Oh, pull yeah. it out. For God's sakes, pull it out. Pookie, be calf. Fuck your rocks. Bones was tripping. He was like, he goes to Florida, and now he can't ride. He sucks. <laughs> and yeah. let me dick with it over the commercials, and then I'll come Well, you in. can't dick with it over the commercials. It's not a brand. It's just real talk. Oh. It's real, spade real. Spade is a spade. Yeah. I would, I would have Darkside back in. I, we need to figure it out, I guess. Yeah. I am not doing a wrap-up or a sound check pod with him. I'm not. Hell, hell will freeze over before I do a sound, do a sound check pod with Darkside. What a oh, dumb game. I don't get the <laughs> shitting on Steve once. 
these assholes, and I think they're Strava assholes. It was mostly A-Ray's fault. That's right. All right. I love beating my meat. Ha, 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 ha. I don't want to blow fly. Can't do that, yeah. dude. But, like, no, 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 that no, no, is no. a really good helmet. You want more? No, we're good. Okay. <laughs> I think we're good. <laughs> that is like an orgy of sound drops. You think I'm hitting them too often? I do. Okay. Yeah, I do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was just tired. If I'm going like, gargling kitchen's balls. Hard tranced. Hard tramps season. Jesus. Whatever his name is. Welcome to another episode of the Pulpamex Wrap-Up Show. Obviously, I'm Darkside from the Moto X-Pod Show, and tonight I'm brought to you by Michelin Bicycle Tires. Now, I'm really excited to get into this episode, but first up, brought to you by Seal Savers, the owner of Seal Savers, Mr. Mason Mill. What up, dude? Hey, dude. How's it going, man? It's going good. Thanks for having me back. Yeah, glad to have you back on. I think this is going to be a really fun episode. I'm really, really stoked to introduce the next guest. I didn't think we'd ever get the guy on. He's brought to you by Guts Racing. He's from the Pulp Mix Show and the Moto 60 Show, the Tits Legendary. What up? Hello, Darkside and Mason. What first is up? time, uh, first time, long time, maybe last time. <laughs> Who knows? Right. No, I'm I'm happy, man. I don't know what made you change your mind because I asked you, man, it's been a while, and you're like, yeah, you weren't feeling it, and you're here. You know, actually, JT inspired me. Uh, when he came on, I'm like, if it's legit for JT, it's legit for me. Um, and that, that's actually only partially true. But I'm like, you know, he's, he's doing a good job, and it's coming along. And hopefully, I won't bring the show down, because usually, I get very tongue-tied when I start talking and everything. So, uh, you know, hopefully, it goes well. No, I man, I, I think a lot of people enjoy when you're on. You're not on all the time. And we're going to get into that a little bit later. Um but I know Mason, you had a uh, you had a question about Tits Nick's nickname. Yeah, I did. I've been listening to the show for a couple years now, and I've got all the nicknames of all the pulp characters pretty much down. But Tits, for the last one, I wanted to know where Tits Legendary came from and uh, how it stuck. Uh, so I'll give you kind of the brief version. Um, I used to be a, a big fan of Acura vehicles and my first ever new car was a TSX. Uh, and my brother-in-law, who's actually the one who kind of referred it to me or suggested it, said that the uh, the T in TSX stands for tits, but the S and the X don't actually stand for anything else. It's just, it's the tits, tits SX. <laughs> then I eventually got a upgraded to a tl and he called that the tits legend um and then so i kind of just twisted a little bit and called it the tits legendary and that was my Twitter uh name i guess it still is now and that's actually why steve going way back why he was even interested in talking to me is because he liked he thought it was funny that there was a man named tits um that's so awesome. that, that's that's the the rough version of it yeah, I didn't know that either, Mason. Like, I, I've listened to most of the old shows, but I don't know how I've never heard that story. That's fantastic. It's it's one That's of those things where... what I thought you'd say. Well, <laughs> well it, has, it has, you know, you could probably figure out some, some other meanings, right? Sure. And that's kind of what why I liked uh, the name. Uh, it's one of those things where I, I don't regret it, but I do regret it when every time I come over for the show and Steve introduces me and says, hey, this is Tits, and I'm... You know, a lot of times it's uh, the wives of the people on the show, and I'm kind of like, yeah, hey, you know, yeah, not not, not really my name, but uh, you know, we go with it. It's always he never wants to introduce me as Peter, uh, right, right, so, yeah. 
Yeah. I don't think very many people know my real name either. I uh, I got asked last night by somebody on our show, and he's like, what's your real name? Do you mind me? Oh, maybe it's, it wasn't Colt Nichols. I don't know who it was. It doesn't matter. Uh, and, yeah, it's funny, but I like the nickname, man. It's it's just kind of uh, – it's obviously unique, so it works, and everybody knows you by it. And, uh, yeah, it's it's marketing, man. It's good. Better or worse, it's unique. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, this week, man, we're going to talk about episode 462. Paul Parabino is back, back in studio, and I was thinking he had been on really recently, but I guess I went back and looked, and it was December the last time he was on. But Paul has – he's been on before – but honestly, guys, he's quickly becoming one of my favorite co-hosts. Super knowledgeable, funny, uh, definitely willing to give it back to Steve Tits. I, I think Kiefer's still my guy, but Paul has definitely jumped into the top five. I, I like Paul a lot. Uh, you know, behind the scenes as, as a person, he's a nice guy. He's always uh, very kind to me and everything. And, and I do like what he brings to the show. Um I think that because of his position, he can't quite be as honest as he would like, but I think he does a pretty good job on getting most of the information out there. But yeah, Paul is one of my most favorite hosts. And there's, there is something to the, Hey, when Paul comes in, that's when I come in, there's slight joking to that, but there's also a fair bit of truth to it. Cause I, I like being there when Paul's there. That makes sense. What about you, uh, Mason? How'd you feel about Paul as a, a recurring co-host? I'm a big fan of Paul. I've been a fan of his kind of since the beginning. I started listening to it. I actually met him and Steve at the AIM Expo in Vegas when I first kind of started listening to the show and playing fantasy and was completely starstruck by him. So I've always been a fan of Paul. <laughs> yeah. And obviously a uh, longtime guy with Pro Taper and now Renthal, both sponsors of the different pulp shows at different times. So he truly, besides being a fan of the show and a friend of Steve, he believes in the show and Man, we got to love that. Uh, so, Tits, you say he's one of your favorites. I, You know, you've been there a long time. Do you have a favorite or a couple favorite guest co-hosts of all time? So, I would say my top three, and in no particular order, uh, are Randy. You know, he, he's mm. the, the comedy that he brings um, is second to, to none. Uh, I really like how when he's in studio yes. because then uh, the two of them can really go back and forth and all their fighting and bickering just gets amplified even more. Um, and then Paul and I guess let's call Paul or uh, the next one, three B. I like Charles Castle a lot. He's, he's a real uh, soft spoken guy, but he has a lot of information. And actually when Paul and, and Chuck were in there together and actually was a really good combo. Uh, so those are probably my top, three or four people. Yeah, actually, Caslu and Paul, I, I feel like they're almost the same guy to a good degree with their knowledge and their, like, how long they've been in the business and how they kind of got into the business. And, um, yeah, I, I like both those guys a great deal. Those are good picks. Um, I especially like this week, Mason, that Paul was allowed to work the drops, and it got to a point where, Steve said, yeah, it's too much. But, like, for me, it wasn't enough because it was annoying, Steve. And I thought it was fantastic. I mean, I could he could have done that for, for another hour. I just I enjoyed it. it. It was never enough for me. Yeah, check out my boat, dude. Every time he <laughs> played it, I, I laughed. I don't know why. Every yeah, single time. Yeah, yeah it was great. Uh, uh, Ted, so do you think – does Steve really – 
we know some of the stuff, some of his reactions sometimes is a little bit dramatic, a little bit sticky, like as in, to me, I say some of the stuff is for the show. Do you think he was really getting annoyed at some point with the drops, or was it all in fun? Um, so I guess the answer is yes. There is, even though like in a short amount of time, there can be too much, right? And that's, sure. he, he's having fun with it and the whole deal. And if, if he would have continued to do it at that rate, throughout the next period of time i can assure you that it would have got old to to everyone and then maybe eventually it would have come back around and then it got funny again but right, it was right. uh he was definitely towing uh the line but it was one thing that i don't know that it actually was on the air when we first came back from um the first commercial break Steve gave Paul the, the the iPad to do the drops, but he had to unplug the input so that he could play the the music after the commercial break through his iPod. Yes, yes. And so so then Paul starts pushing all these buttons, and he's like, I can't hear anything because he had his headphones on, but it wasn't actually hooked up. And the look on Steve's face, he's like, it's not hooked up. And he's like, well, what are you talking about? And he's like pushing the buttons, and, <laughs> and you can hear it playing through the – the the ipad's uh speakers but it wasn't loud enough to actually go into his headphones so he's just thinking the whole thing's busted yeah yeah and f- finally steve straightens him out and he realizes like oh oh okay you know but it, so it was there was a little lead into that that was actually quite comical on the uh leading into it yeah I, that was definitely on youtube now whether it made it into the i, I have to assume it made it onto the uh the archive but yeah, that was funny. He's like, yeah, because it's plugged into my phone. <laughs> and Paul, He's like, what Paul's are you like, talking what, about? Yeah, what, what kind of show are you running here? Steve's like, it's plugged <laughs> into my phone. Yeah, that was good. That, I, that's, that is always the stuff that I like is the banter between the buddies, the, the ball busting. Like to me, I always say this, you know, I'm sure you heard it. It's what makes Pulp so great. Um, but anyway, this week on 462, Dean Wilson, Nate Thrasher, Chase Sexton, and Cameron McAdoo. No real surprise that Cameron's on. You know, he was the story of the week, really. Uh, after Atlanta three, uh, before we get into that, I want to also talk about, you know, as Paul first gets on there, he says, Hey, this is uh thin tits down a half cup size. And you're like, yeah, I haven't really lost any weight. So, uh, I don't know, man, what's that about? Uh, so I guess it, it had been a little bit since I, I mean, I, I kind of, I'm always on a yo-yo diet, right? I'm on right. keto, I'm off keto and gain a few and lose a few type things. So I don't know how, where I was with him, but I've, I've not lost a a big enough amount of weight that I would think it would make a difference, but maybe it did. I don't know. So I'm, you know, back on the hey, I'm trying to lose weight train, but yeah. uh, I wouldn't have thought it was enough to make any difference. I don't know, but he he said so. He thought it did. He uh, thought it did. And also, Mason Steve is very excited that he has learned Cooper Webb's real first name, which is also Paul. Breaking news! I didn't know this. Yeah, I didn't know it either. I heard it, I think, first on the uh, race review. Mm-hmm. So yep. when it came on to Pulp, I had kind of, I wasn't already shocked, but I was waiting for Paul to say his real name was Cooper, and then <laughs> everyone's mind to be blown. Sure. And, of course, we Steve decides he wants to change his name <laughs> that, to... That would have been pretty funny, Yeah, actually. to Flash Mathis, which I found a little bit funny, and I sent a text to Steve, which he ignored, but that's okay. Uh, I don't know if either of you guys are old enough to remember the original Dukes of Hazard. But Roscoe's Basset Hound that never moved was named Flash. I thought that was I thought that works. So Flash Mathis uh, works for me anyway. Is that a shot at him saying that Steve never moves now? Is that what you're getting at? Well, no, I was more getting at that he likes Bassets 
And, oh, bastard. Yeah. Okay. Then sh- shame on me for thinking that's the connection there. No, not the other. No, because, uh, well, that, that'd be a good, I guess that, that'd be a good way to kind of give Steve some shit, but the dude's, right. the, the dude's probably in better shape than I am, so I'm not going to go there. Yeah. All right, back to the story of the week, in my opinion. Cameron McAdoo. Um, dude, let's just let's listen to what they had to say. You know, honestly, the the string of events kind of led to look like it was because I was injured, you know. But uh, I, I mean, I was I was definitely not at my full form. That's pretty obvious. I don't think there's any way you could be after what I right dealt with on Tuesday. But there's also but, uh, other racers out there many times that are not on their full form for sure. I definitely don't think it's fair to say that I was. Uh, it was dangerous for me to be on the track. I, I qualified third out of practice, and and I mean, I you know I was I was riding okay you know yeah do you so i mean obviously you saw that i mean i couldn't agree i couldn't agree less with the aje owners social post uh hunter lawrence came out in a honda pr i don't agree with him either you saw some of that stuff i mean what, what's your thoughts on that are you oh uh i i guess i didn't even really see anything that aje posted or oh, okay. or anything that hunters yeah did. but yeah. uh you know i've seen obviously a couple little things here and there that uh, Hunter, I'll read it back to you. Hunter said, uh, I came through the pack in fifth, and then Cameron nearly fell off his bike going in the sand section. I don't think he was I don't think he was where he needed to be mentally or physically. He swerved right in front of me. Oh, wow. Huh. <laughs> so well, everyone is entitled to their opinion and uh whatnot. I did actually I did actually get a little uh a little bit sketchy in the sand. Uh, if, if you know me, like, and and me riding through a sand section, it, it's not always going to be straight, whether <laughs> I'm at my full form or not. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, Mason. Cameron, long, a lot of history with Pulp, obviously. You know, Steve even said, like, I feel like he, we saw him. He was the band we saw in the clubs, and now he's made it to the big time. But I, I really liked his openness, and I love his maturity at his age to not – blow out anybody really he's just like oh yeah i hadn't seen it uh they're entitled to their opinion i just i gained besides the respect i gained from him during the week for the way he raced and tried to race through injury or did race through injury i gained even more for the way he handled himself monday night on pulp yeah it was super cool and it seems like he's kind of stayed out of all the noise mm-hmm. um, of what's happened over the last couple of weeks which i think is really cool especially for someone as young as he is um, not even knowing what Hunter, one of his bigger competitors, have said in the last couple of days. I thought that was really cool. Um, I didn't know he was going to be on. I was I was going to call in. I tuned in live for like the last couple minutes of his interview. wanted to call in and say kind of that same thing, how impressed I was with his demeanor and outlook on the whole deal. And, of course, the heart that he's shown in the last week and a half. Yeah, he, he's he's rad, Tits. Um, what do you think of it, man? And, you know, and also he took the high road with Marchbanks, too. Yeah, he's uh, definitely seems to be above uh, a lot of the, the the nonsense that goes on social media and stuff like that. And I think there's actually a lot of wisdom to that. I think a lot of people would be better off if they didn't worry about what everyone else was saying and they just focus on themselves and the whole thing. He seems to be to be doing that for sure. Yeah, uh, I it's just impressive. You know, a lot of we we see all the social media stuff. People that keyboard warriors post and the writers sometimes get involved and man he's just cooler heads prevail and it seems like it's probably a lot like i think steve mentioned uh you know with nick way being in his corner probably 
coaching him through some of that too, right? I mean, that's something that Nick Way, longtime guy, knows very smart, been in the business forever. I, I think that's probably been a very good influence on March uh, or on uh, McAdoo. That's for you, Tits. Sorry. Oh yeah, yes. Um, Nick Way's he's definitely a good dude, and he's, he's had a lot of experience. And uh, between him and uh, Adam Cincerello, I'm sure they all have a a pretty positive uh, effect on each other and giving each other good guidance. Uh, One of the other big stories that the guys talked about Mason 450 main event uh, and the way it ended. And Steve asked this, do we need to focus Paul on Kenny's collapse then? Because he lost the race. Then Kenny crashed. And even so, I don't think Cooper was like, okay, okay. But then that the whole next, even again, the lap where he got up was okay. But then the lap after that just wasn't, wasn't good and cooper put in a good one and then it was like okay maybe i can win maybe i can get this guy yeah and then it's like when you give him that that sniff man why did kenny start jumping the whoops i really thought second lap from the end he was going to come through there and skim the skim those whoops like hit him fast right and make the pass and he He followed him he did not he didn't just jumped he followed him yeah and maybe honest he's just like i am not willing to go over my edge, no matter what the circumstance is. Right. And I do think that he will have regrets about Atlanta 3 when he looks back at right. it. He was blitzing the whoops all night. He knows he's better at it. Why would he give up that strategy? It has to be a mental game. It has to be a mental issue there. He had to have felt like if I try to blitz again, I'm going to crash, and I don't want to crash. Perhaps he's just tired. Maybe he had intentions of blitzing that second-to-last lap to pass Webb, but Webb was in his line. He never. I never saw him go down the left side. All right, uh, Mason, I'll go with you first. Um, obviously, Asif says, hey, he's in his head. Cooper is in Kenny's head, and I truly believe that. I've been saying that for weeks. It's all speculation. We don't really know. Uh, you know, they, they talked about the – at some point, Paul mentioned his brother-in-law, Blake Savage, injury. Like, that could be going through his head, right? He, the, the last time he tried to take Cooper out in San Diego a couple years ago and, and jacked his arm up, that could be going through his head. We don't really know, but – the, Paul was really hung up on the, the the reason or why he didn't blitz the whoops and change lines. And, I mean, to me, that's mental, man. I think they're onto something. I, I, I definitely agree with pretty much everything they said. Yeah, I agree with everything they said, too. And as far as him jumping through the whoops, I know he kind of mentioned up on the podium interview that his bars were a little bit. So if he didn't have the confidence that he was going to stay straight through there after just going down with two laps left, um, he might have been thinking better to play it safe and take the second rather than, you know, take himself out and uh, lose even more points to Cooper. Yeah, Tits, when they talk about stuff like this, you know, saying for Steve to say Cooper is in Kenny's head, it, th- that could get back to Kenny, right? At some point, Kenny may hear that. And, but Steve doesn't care about stuff like that. Uh, you know, that's, and that's very difficult to do as somebody in the media in a sport this size. I know they talk about C brings up the NFL and you know that's how the major league baseball players NFL NHL media guys they have to see it, say it how they see it and they have to report the truth. For coming from my position it's difficult sometimes to say something like that because you can get alienated pretty quickly but Steve just doesn't care. I have to imagine you have a lot of respect for how he handles himself in this business. Yeah. You know, Steve is, uh, I don't know that I've ever, at least I'm not familiar if he has kind of said something and then kind of shied away from it later. But yeah, Steve is 
truly NFG when it comes to giving his opinion and whether people don't like it or not. I mean, that's what he does. And obviously he has had issues with writers in the past, but he still has a, a good enough relationship with everyone else. He's like, all right, if you don't want to call my show, that's fine. Because I don't know who really loses in that, but uh, yeah, he, he always gives his opinion and he may not always be right, but at least he, he stands by it uh, in the end. Yeah. He even kind of had a, a quick little conversation with Paul about that when it came to a Ray, he was like, yeah, I was mad at you last week. Cause you, you know, you thought I was, you know, like you thought that I was compromised because I was friends with a Ray or whatever, you know, and, and, yeah, he, he doesn't care. He talked about uh, AC being mad at him in the past or texting him and saying that's ridiculous. And like he, it doesn't matter how close he is with the rider. Yeah, he is not afraid to say how he, he believes it to be. And, again, I respect him for that also. It's, uh, it's difficult to do, man, I think, in this, at least for me, in the, at, the, at this point in what I'm doing, it's you, you worry about being I, shut out. I, I was going to say, yeah, with, with you working your way into this thing, yeah. It would be if you, if you all of a sudden start getting right, if you don't want to talk to you, then that, that would uh, limit your ability to, you know, provide your coverage. Absolutely. Uh, Getz Racing was established in 1990 as a premier off-highway seat manufacturing company, offering high-performance seat covers and foam for motocross, supercross, and off-road competition. Getz Racing has worked with every top rider at some point of their career, from Steve Lampson and McGrath in the 90s to Ricky Carmichael and James Stewart in the 2000s, and today with Rockstar Husky, Pro Circuit Kawasaki, and many more. If it's Don Performance you want, you've come to the right place. Check out GutsRacing.com for info on the many products offered, such as the Phantom Light Seat Foam. Oh, boys, Mason, there was some more drama involving McAdoo. We sort of touched on it, and that was the takeout by Marchbanks. Uh, let's listen to what the boys had to say about it. So the Marchbanks thing... Uh, that's a personal pro circuit thing, for uh, sure. Man, that one bothered me a little bit, right? Because oh, if, and again, if, if I, look, I don't think he deserves to be fined or lost any points. But if I'm Club MX and we had Brandon on, the owner, I'm I'm saying to him, dude, you got to have your fucking better handle your emotions than that. You just ruined his race and your race. Yeah, and 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 maybe there was something that happened prior to that. But if nothing happened, that was completely uncalled for. You can go in and take somebody out, but don't take yourself out too. That was just asinine. Oh, I just do it. It was like out of nowhere. I was like, I didn't even know March Banks was behind him. But <laughs> yeah, exactly. I guess March Banks, like, there's always two sides of the story. I mean, if yeah. you're just watching it and don't know anything, you think, man, that was a bit too much. You know, he ruined his championship. And, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah it was pretty gnarly. Dude, there could be exactly. a there could be a chick thing that happened two years ago between those two <laughs> guys. Uh, you never quite know on, on the, the, the dirt bike track, right? So. I, I agree with Dino. There's always two sides to every story. Uh, Garrett did give his side on another show last night, some other show. I don't know what it's called. Um, Mason, I, Paul was very bothered by this. Well, everybody, I, pretty much everybody was. Even eventually, Marchbanks, you know, he apologized Instagram. He, you know, it was, it was very dramatic, very uh, asinine, I think Paul said. You there, Mason? Yeah, not oh, only – yeah, sorry, you were kind of cutting out a little bit. But uh, not only did he ruin McAdoo and his own race, he also ruined my chance of maxing out with him as my fantasy <laughs> all-star. Fancy. So I was okay. really upset about that. Sure. That's, that's um, the bigger offense, Yeah, it was yeah. – like yeah. Steve kept saying, it was, a, it was a greasy move. Well, speaking of Dean Wilson, obviously Paul Parabino's in studio, was his former mechanic. They have a, quite a bond. He comes on for a little bit uh, to be expected – and Steve brings up 
the DNQs, man, it's, it hasn't been good, and Steve definitely has no problem discussing that with him. Uh, your DNQ at Atlanta 1 sucked. You you crashed. You've, you've gone to way too many LCQs, as we know, this year. Have you ever had that happen before in a 450? <laughs> no. no, that was the okay, that's very, very first one. Worst yeah. I didn't ever. So I can't help but think, Dino, like the DNQ fired you up a little bit. Or And I, I honestly feel like if I was in that main, I would have done really well because I felt good. I qualified well. Right. My heat race, I had, I ran out of tear off. Uh, I was stuck in the wrong place. Mm-hmm. Obviously, bad position and I had to go to the LCQ. And then you seen what happened there. I yep. kind of got taken out and then I got up and then I fell again. And then I feel like I was, I would have been. I had another good ride in the main. I'm too good of a rider to be known as an LCQ rider. And I'm, as I know I'm a top 10 guy, and, you know, that's all that matters. You got to just be frustrated with it and then move on and just try and improve what you did wrong. That's all you can do. Uh, tits, Dino is one of those guys that I put in a category of like an AC and a Zacco that's always a good interview. Uh, he He's not really afraid to... You know, if he's doing something wrong or not, you know, he he'll, he was pretty honest. He's pretty open. He doesn't, I don't feel like he's politically correct with, or he doesn't give you the robotic answer. He's just good, man. I love Dino and I was really happy with this interview. I agree. And I don't, with, in my position on the show, I don't always get to listen to all the interviews because I'm answering calls or doing other things. So I don't actually get to, appreciate them the way most people do and i actually probably should have re-listened to it but i didn't so i apologize but that's okay dino is he's very honest and those are the best ones right the ones that you know the guys are not fluffing or bsing and he 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 gives it to you straight yeah so you you just brought up a good a good point or a good question for me so people don't Steve sometimes busts your balls when you're like, oh, what, what? Like, you're answering the phones constantly. um, But what are your other duties while the show's live besides answering phones, putting people on hold, you know, sending a message over to Steve that says, I'm sure you're like, hey, this person's on the line. I have to assume and they they want to talk about this. So so we have a messaging system. It's Slack. And there's a group that's, uh, you know, the three of us. on there so when someone calls i'll answer it find out their name and what they want or what their question is put it on there send it over and then it's up to steve he gets to, gets to them if he wants or whenever he wants and, and whatnot uh i don't do drops as much as maybe i could mm-hmm. but i feel like i that it's an, i feel like it's an appropriate amount but some people would like more you know but that's a a personal preference type thing. I don't like when people start trying to drop it in for the sake of dropping it in. And then it seems forced and everything like that. But um, really the, the, the phone calls and then kind of managing some of the stuff is the hardest part. Um, and it can be, you know, time consuming depending on the, the amount of calls that you're actually receiving. Um, but the, the thing that's the hardest is when, I'm not a mind reader and there'll be times like that, that happened on that show where all of a sudden Steve goes from nowhere and then he's like, okay, X-Brand goggles. And I'm like, oh crap. And I got to pull up the app and find the the intro and everything like that. And then it, of course it seems longer live than it really is, but yeah, yeah. It, 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 everything is exaggerated. Yeah. You, okay. So you guys probably have a basic, 
uh, timeline or like a, a layout of how the show's going to go. And, and Mark's puts those things at the top of the screen. If you're watching on YouTube or Facebook, what's coming next. And there's probably, I'm assuming uh, approximately at eight o'clock or whatever, we're going to do this, but he could very easily change gears and do something different. And he doesn't tell yeah. you. To- so I've got a rundown of the callers and he has times for the callers. So that's one thing that I'm kind of keeping track of is, who's coming up when, and I'm, you know, I'm never the one telling Steve, Hey, you got to hang up with this guy, but I'm at least saying, Hey, it's almost time for Mm -hmm. the next one. He gets to him when he's ready. Um, but I don't see any of the video uh, aspects. So I don't see what's coming as far as the segments and there's probably room for improvement on my part is asking, what are we doing next time? And, and everything, but that's why it kind of gets a little caught off guard. Sometimes is just interesting Interesting. when they drop. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, now you said that you'll send uh, over on Slack, you know, that the callers are on and he gets to it when he wants to. How does a caller end up on hold for three hours like Monday night? And, and that's not the first time that somebody's been on for multiple hours. We get a number of calls with, and I apologize to anyone if you feel like you are who I'm talking about. They just have legitimately dumb questions. And or or they're not the right time to be asking those questions. Yeah. And so you, 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 someone's calling in to ask about it. And Steve's like, well, ne- either now is not the right time or I don't even know that that's a good question in general. And then he just doesn't get to it. And then every so often I'll have to go through and in the in the app, I'll copy the, you know, the info and essentially refresh it. So he knows he doesn't have to scroll up and look for, you know, when I had sent it the mm. the first time. Um, but, and then some people call in and they have a question and Steve's not getting it to it. And then they just say, screw it. And then they hang up and, and that's that. But some people just really hang in there and, uh, eventually then you end up getting something for it. Right. Cause it seems like it's always the guy who's on hold for an extended period of time gets something. <laughs> yeah, like, that's- oh, if- Hey, if your time's not worth it. We're we're gonna give you a shirt or something like yeah, that. I, so I won a T-shirt early on when I first started calling in because I think I was on hold for like an hour and a half. But I was I was out of town, like in Iowa, or I was somewhere with my dad at a race wherever Eldora Speedway is. And we were up there for a race, and we were just at the hotel, and I was just listening on my phone. So I was like, oh, what? I'll call in, and I was on hold for an hour and a half, and he gave me a T-shirt. So I was one of those guys, and it was probably a dumb question. So, all right, Mason, back to Dino. Um, Something that he said that I was really glad he brought up was that, like, he felt like he would have done really good if he had made the main event those those nights. You know, I think it was Atlanta 1 uh, when he did the LCQ. Because, like, if you watched him, which we didn't get a lot of him on TV, but, like, he's not an LCQ guy, right? You know something went wrong. There was a, a somebody got in his way, just the perfect storm where it put him in the LCQ. And you have all these people that are like, oh, Dino sucks. He's LCQ every week now or whatever. And it was just a weird occurrence. Yeah, it was weird. And you could tell he was fast because of his qualifying times. I, I think he qualified fourth, um, second week, uh, right after that um, LCQ where he didn't make the main. Yeah, but yeah. yeah, Dean was really fast out there. Um, he, he's been killing it. I, I'm happy to see him doing well. I do think, like Steve said, it fired him up a little bit um, to get into the, the next two and do really well. And crack inside the top 10. I know, I think he was ninth in Atlanta too, not feeling all that well. So I was definitely rooting for him. And, and the wise words of Weimer, Dean's Dean. <laughs> yeah. Dean is Dean. Uh, let's talk about Chase Sexton's interview. 
Steve brought up the stacked field and how back in the day, James and RC and Chad Reed could get like a bad start. I think he said ninth place or something and come through the pack and still do well. And I feel like he was pointing out Mason that that like that really can't happen anymore. And I, I kind of feel like Chase responded a little differently than Steve expected. But dude, the field is so deep and so fast. Like you literally can't make a mistake. You'll end up ninth like Kenny, sixth like Tomac, or like you're racing line of three. I mean, yeah, I, I would say, I mean, obviously it's super stacked, but um, for me, I was riding horrible. Like, I couldn't get to the whoops. I had a lot of sketchy moments, and it was it was <laughs> okay. kind of embarrassing, honestly, going to the whoops. I was like, man, I'm either going to crash or I should just start jumping because it's, it was bad. I was seeing my, my side number plates a few times, and I went off the track. Yeah, if you put a quality ride in, say if I would have rode like I did at the first two Atlantas, I think maybe not to the podium, but yep. top five yep. is definitely not out of – out of the okay. picture if you get a bad start. I don't I don't think I think he can still do it. Cooper does it. Tomac does it. Kenny can do it. I just don't think he was comfortable that night. I right. think it's one hundred percent still possible and that's what's gonna it's gonna take to to obviously win. You're not gonna get a perfect start every single race. So yeah. to be able to get back to the top five is definitely key because you can't if you start ninth, you can't just get ninth. I still think it's definitely possible, obviously too, but I feel like it's definitely <laughs> more stacked than it's been um in a long time. But so, Tits, I think I don't think Steve meant like it's impossible now. He was just saying back in the day, those three guys were such a different level than the other competitors, and it is more stacked now. It's a lot. It's a lot more difficult. Obviously, we've seen like Eli hasn't had the the ability to do it this year. Uh, I get what he's saying, but Chase kind of said, "Hey, it can be done." Well, we've seen Ch- we've seen Jason Anderson this year come from like last to you know I don't know top ten. It's it's possible, but not as often or but, as easy as it used to be but, but back when it was reed and Stu and rc it was a foregone conclusion that it, those were going to be the top yeah. three unless some major catastrophe happened um and yeah that's not the case anymore like yeah, i mean that's why i see all these different winners and different podiums and everything like that because it's it's a deep field absolutely um Mason, what'd you think about Chase Sexton? Anything stand out? Uh, I, I certainly enjoyed the wall jump talk and the the chipped handlebars, the bar in his lip. That was that's gnarly. Yeah, I was, that's exactly what I was going to say. I, I was uh, thinking it would be interesting to know if there was actually a mark in the bars, and turns out he had the piece of the bar in his mouth. That kind of blew me away. Yeah, um, just shows how hard he <laughs> blew his face out there. Um, that that was probably the one thing that stuck out. But uh, I also thought that the conversation between him and Steve just kind of flowed like I I feel like they were good friends like the way he talked with Adam and I don't know if that's just the way Chase is or what but I guess it was everyone on the show was just kind of mellow low-key and the conversation just kind of flowed really easily and smoothly I generally think that's the case with most guests on pulp there's a few guys like Nate Thrasher who we're going to talk about in a little bit he's a new guy he's a young kid not super comfortable I don't think doing the interviews yet but anybody that's been in the industry for a while, seems to be very comfortable on Pulp Mex, more so than probably any other show. Maybe Weege's show, they're, they're comfortable also. There's definitely some trust and a bond that Steve has with these guys. And I think a lot of that comes from the fact that Steve's real. He, you know, like we talked about earlier, if he thinks you're doing bad, he's going to say it. He's not He's not a fanboy. He's not sugarcoating things. He, he's But he's a good dude. I, I, mean, I think that's what makes it that way, Mason. Yeah, for sure. Is it fair to say that Steve's Steve? Yeah, I think it is. Dean's Dean, okay, Steve's Steve. I like All it. Right. We'll, we'll uh, trademark that. Perfect. 
Uh, Tits, before we do the Seal Savers read, um, I want to know some of your best memories of being on Pulp or just some of the best, like, either it'd be show stuff, maybe somebody you've met, something that's happened on the show, or just something that's come from being a part of Pulp Mex that really stands out that's been a, like a highlight of your quote-unquote career on Pulp. Uh, you know, that's some of the, the first things that came to mind. Um, and this is, I don't know if this is sad or not, but <laughs> when, uh, Mer- Mercedes Terrell back, this is back in, I think maybe the second year that he had his yeah. show when he, you know, at his whole house, she came in studio and she was there. And I don't remember really much of what happened that night, other than the fact that she gave me a hug, nice. uh, but did not give Steve a hug. So <laughs> I remember what happened. Steve was like, what's going on? That's Why awesome. Give him a hug? And it was weird because I'm a married man and I was certainly not going for the hug, but she went for it anyway. So I'm like, all right, cool. Mm-hmm. Um, there was, uh, you know, getting to meet a lot of these writers, you know, they, they're very different in person than they are. Uh, even on the show itself, you know, the, when, when the microphones aren't on, they, they let their guard down and they talk about a lot of stuff. And that was a big eye opener. This, some of the things that are mentioned during the, the breaks is, uh, surprising, or at least it, it, it was for a while. Uh, but just, yeah, being, I, I mean, I, I would not call myself in the industry by any stretch, but just getting to see these people on a more personal level. And a lot of them are, are really funny and fun to be around. Yeah, that's, you're, I think you're very fortunate and I'm sure a lot of people like they get a little jealous of that kind of stuff. I think it's really cool. A casual fan gets to be around all these, yeah, <laughs> all, all the writers and everything like that. Yeah. Well, to be honest, I feel like, you know, I get a lot of negativity. I get hate, you know, the, the hate comms and JT pointed out once that he thinks that's, I think it was JT that said that, but he was like, dude, you know, you're a guy that was a casual fan and you were just a listener of the show and somehow you have ingratiated, if that's the right word, yourself into Pulp MX and become an industry guy a little bit and people kind of, maybe they get a little jealous, maybe, or I don't know if, I hate to say that because it sounds cocky, but yeah. I, I think that that's, there's uh, some truth to that. And the other thing is there's always, that was something that was really hard for me to understand at the beginning because I took everything super super critical. Anytime Steve would jokingly harass me on the show or this back when Kent was on there as well, mm. you know, he'd be saying his stuff and I'd go home and I couldn't sleep. Cause I'm like thinking, Oh man, I screwed up and all this stuff like that. And I would take it all personally yep. until I realized uh, a, it's all for fun and B you're never going to please a hundred percent of the people. So don't worry about anyone who's saying something bad because as long as it's not maybe the majority of people that, that are, they're bagging on you. Um, you know, it's all good. It's like Dylan, you know, super fan Dylan. Yeah. I love him. I think he's insane, which is why I love him. <laughs> but other people can't stand him. I'm like that. That's a perfect example right there. Is yeah. I loved it when he called in. Uh, so yeah, I like yeah. Dylan, man. I miss the guy. He, uh, I don't always agree with him, but he's passionate, man. And I think we are all passionate. We love this sport. And even if he's a little, some of his thoughts or his opinions are a little out there. So what, man, he's fucking having fun. Um, uh, Mason, I know you have a question for him about the tweets and we're going to get to that, but before we do the, the read, you have any, any other questions you want to ask hits? Uh, no, I'll save them for okay. the uh, tweet segment. Actually, um, I would like to mention something to him. I was watching the uh, live feed and in the background, Steve's got all the jerseys hanging up and it's very aesthetically pleasing, but the, 
it might just be a weird OCD, but there's a one jersey missing in between the two windows on the right, and it would completely balance it all out. So if you could bring that up to Steve and fix that, it would really help with this weird OCD thing I have. So I, I have not noted noticed that part, but whenever you're looking, and I don't know with the, it's mostly when you're looking at Travis, that camera there, he's got that sliding door behind him. And at least now they opened the, 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 the drapes or whatever it is, you know, the, the door things. Yeah. Yeah. Because before they're like, half of them were crooked and everything like that. I'm like, can't we put, hang a, hang a uh, banner or something like that. So that way it doesn't look super janky when, when Travis is on the camera and at least now they opened it. So it's, it's consistent, but, uh, there's definitely some, some remodeling that I would like to do, but, uh, I mention it and then nothing ever gets done and it's not my house or my show. So that, you know, that's kind of the end of it, but I will bring up the, the Jersey next time. Uh, let me I'm suggest that you don't bring it up and we're going to talk about Nick calling in and suggesting I'm back in studio at some point, And we'll talk about it in a minute, but if that happens, I'll have a Jersey that we can hang there. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So let's keep it quiet. Maybe Steve won't listen to this episode. He probably will since Tits is on there, but I think oh, I yeah. slide everyone's going to listen to this one. I'm I think sure I can it. slide a dark side jersey in there maybe and just try to get away with it for a night. Uh, all right. Uh, Mason, Seal Savers, tell us about them. Yeah, well, since, uh, since 1999, Seal Savers has offered the ultimate protection to the off-road industry. Seal Savers is, is the original when it comes to fork shield protection, starting with the original Seal Savers. Since then, we have revolutionized fork seal protection with our zip-on seal savers, making installation a breeze. We've got a full line of products for motorcycles, side-by-sides, UTVs. So check us out at sealsavers.com and enter the code PULP25 for 25% off. That's awesome. I love saving on products. All right, let's shift gears to outdoors. Uh, it's almost here. We only got we only have two races in Supercross left. I think a three-week or three-weekend break after that. And Paul wanted to get into it, so let's hear what they had to say. Uh, motocross talk, Paul. Go ahead. You want to talk motocross? You said so. Here's JT, and you guys. Yeah, can talk moto. Who, who are you thinking, JT? What's the outdoor series going to look like? Thinking Osborne is going to be the guy, right? He's the defending champ. He's been kind of tuning up for outdoors. I think Cincerillo is going to be gnarly. Yeah, it's pretty wide open. Uh, I I think my biggest question is uh, which Eli Tomac do we get? Because if Tomac of 2020 supercross and earlier shows up i think he wins but if the 2020 outdoor eli tomac shows up then it's anybody's ball game like will we just see a tomac this summer that can win here and there but is not dominant jt seems to think we will I, i'm kind of on the fence but i would not be surprised if that's the tomac we see we see webb finally come into his own outdoors because we really haven't seen Cooper Webb do a lot on not a 450 if, outdoors. Not if he wins the title. Supercross title. No. Really? Nah. Okay. And 250s, I mean, are we just giving this to J-Mart? No. Okay. And, I mean, I, I I was trying to do that in Supercross, and look where that got me. So, <laughs> who the hell knows? I do think but it'll the be favorite, a blue bike, right? though. But J-Mart, the favorite? What do you mean? Troll Train? I think Justin Cooper is going to be really good. I'm going to win. Lawrence? We haven't seen him out. Yeah, I like Hunter. I like Hunter and Jet. Jet. Hunter and Jet, yeah. I think I those we guys are going to be right in the mix. Me, me too. I agree. I, we haven't seen Forkner outdoors in a while. All right, Mason. A lot, a lot of thoughts, opinions within that uh, audio. Let's start with for you the Cooper Webb, and and for me also Kenny falls into this thing. Whoever wins the Supercross Championship 
And to me, whoever finishes second almost I almost take them out of the running in Supercross. So I'm taking I'm going I'm agreeing with Steve on Cooper, but I'm also adding Kenny into that. They've put so much into this very short super well, it feels short time wise, supercross season because of so many races in a short time. I think those guys are spent, but uh do you agree with Steve and also on the Tomac thing, like which Tomac do we see? Yeah, I think I, I definitely agree with them. Um, after Supercross, I know Anderson mentioned it, Webb mentioned it, Eli yep. mentioned it, how it's just like the Supercross championship hangover. Um, there's a lot, obviously, behind the scenes that goes into that, um, especially with like the media and all that. So I think that that's a lot of the underestimated stuff of what that really takes out of these guys. Um, and then as far as Eli, I hope we see a dominant Eli. It's just so fun to watch someone like that at their prime. Uh, I hope that's not over. So I, I really hope to see a couple, at least a couple dominant rounds from him. Yeah, Tits, any thoughts on that? You know, I, I, I think back of Dungey, you know, when he would wrap up all of his multiple uh, Supercross titles in the first couple rounds, he was usually slacking. And then eventually he would kind of get back into it and then end up dominating everything mm-hmm. like that, right? Uh, but I think, there's too much competition now and everything's closer. So whether this happens and then someone ends up getting on a roll later, but maybe too far to, um, to come back from, but I do think obviously it's a, it's a real thing. Yeah, I think you're right. I don't think, again, we talked about the stack field. You, you mentioned it. Um, it's just not the same as it used to be. I think there's so many more guys that are all on that same level that, that it's very difficult if you don't come in on all cylinders at the opening round. You know, you got to be ready to go. Uh, it was hard to hear, but Paul, talking about the 250s, he, he was kind of being talked over, said he believes a blue bike's going to win tits. I don't completely agree with that. I think the odds are in their favor, but I, I'm going green, man. I think Austin's going to be good, but what do you think, man? What do you think? Uh, you know, J-Mart, A-Mart, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, Justin Cooper, who do you think? You know, I'm never good at, at any of this yeah. stuff. Uh, I, ha- I have my favorite. I have my favorites, and if they're not my favorites, then they might as well not exist. Which okay. you, I, I'm kidding about that. But obviously, the blue, there's more blue bikes than any other bike out sure. there, so they they have that on their side. But um, I don't think Austin he's shown to to be inconsistent as far as being able to get through an entire series without injuring himself. Uh, but I do think he's probably got some of the most raw speed out of anyone, but I, I, I like one of the Lawrence brothers to, to, to bring it home. Uh, I think they're the most fun to watch and listen to, you know, their interviews and everything like that. And that's kind of who I'm, uh, I guess not so secretly anymore rooting for. Yeah, well, the rumor is Jet is flying at the test track, like right, supposedly always. putting in faster times than some of the 450 guys and outdoors when they were doing some testing. So that's that's the rumor. Uh, Mason, out uh, 250s, you got any thoughts on uh, you jumping on A Train, J Mart? What are you, are you jumping on any particular bandwagon? Uh, not really. I just want to see good racing. I don't really care who wins as long as I do well in fantasy. It comes back to fantasy, right? Yeah, me too. Yeah, and I want to touch on that. I was going to touch on it here in a little bit, but, guys, they kind of made fun of me when I was on my call. I was like, dude, I'm like up to 817th place. And they're like, oh, your prize is coming any day now. But, dude, for me, who I'm using the 2000s, and I'm actually winning a couple of the leagues I'm in. I'll take 817 all damn day, Mason. 
Absolutely. I do have you covered, though. I'm 160 right now. Well, F you. <laughs> <laughs> it's scary. It's scary. Last uh, At ATL2, I completely blew it. Only had six guys in and dropped way back and was furious. I'd never been that worked up over fantasy until Ooh. that night. I've had some bad rounds, Tits. I've had some bad rounds. You know, one of the best decisions I've ever made in my entire life was not playing fantasy because oh. I just get to enjoy – uh, I, I did it the very first year that the, you know, that they launched it sure. and, and, and that was, it was fun, but I'm like, I just, I, it, it wasn't for me, you know, different strokes for different folks, but I hear all these people complaining, all the anger, of course it does make the, the actual racing itself a lot more exciting, but it seems like there's more downsides than, than upsides because people not getting their all eight men in their thing and, yeah. and the whole deal. And, uh, so yeah, I, not, not a fantasy guy over here. Okay. Um, well, I think, if, I think if I took it as serious to say like JT, then it would make it, it would ruin some of it for me when the, I do the, bad. But the, I, that is one thing I always thought was funny is every year he swears off of it and I'm not doing it <laughs> yeah. and everything. And they, you know, cause I can't take it, you know, it's in everything. And then eventually he gets rubbed back in. Of course it does seem like he's kind of, uh, dialing things down each year, not getting as bad about you know getting frustrated and everything but yeah i get i was gonna say though i get a little i get bummed when i don't have everybody in or i have a guy that doesn't start the main but i i don't get angry so it doesn't ruin it for me so i think i i'm still i'm still a little bit sane when it comes to it uh let's move on to nate thrasher real quick oh what you got oh i was just gonna say to tits um because he said that it doesn't make the race any more exciting and I was going to disagree with him on that because I feel like I watch the ticker more than I watch the actual race half the time. And especially if some guy, whoever it is, checks out during the race, it gives you something to kind of pay attention to other than what they're showing you on TV, which often isn't the most exciting thing. So oh. I would try it, man. It's, it's really fun. No, I, I don't know. I guess if I said that, that's not what I meant, that, that it doesn't make it more exciting. It's just less stressful because, yeah, I remember doing that and you're always – kind of checking you're definitely yeah. more involved as opposed to just sitting there kind of watching and you know every now and then you look over you know to see where your favorite writer is and that's kind of as involved as you get but yeah it's definitely uh it's entertaining and involved and intense and i guess depending on your your level of commitment to it well as i said nate thrasher young kid rookie uh you know steve didn't care about him when he was an amateur but now that he's doing well he's on the pulp mech show Steve brings up the LCQs and then going to win. At Atlanta one, Nate had to go to the LCQ, of course. After the LCQ, yeah. you win. And Paul, he goes, you know what? I- I'm riding really good tonight. My heat race was great. I think I can put it on the box tonight. And I'm just like, hold on, kid. You've never done better than ninth. You knew how well you were riding. I was just like, okay, sure, Nate. I feel like once I got that confidence that I knew I was one of the best guys, it just, it just is a whole different mentality. Yeah, the outdoors you got to be feeling good, Nate, because I mean this is something that you're aware of. You did a bunch of motos, you know, you know how it goes. Yeah, for sure. And one thing going into outdoors, like I'm glad I got to race those two rounds last year, because now I kind of know what to expect. And going into outdoors, and we're just going to go out there and fight the best most we can, and we're going to try to put it on the box every weekend. And that's the goal. All right, so Tits, as I said, like I feel like he's a young kid, so maybe he's not used to doing these interviews. He's a little bit dry, not super animated yet, but good information, right? Seems, I mean, I liked what he had to say. Like the confidence is back. He has his confidence now. He's feeling good. I thought it was a good interview. I just think he needs to do a few more. 
Um, I'm going to be a little bit of, of a Nate Thrash right now and just say, yeah, uh, I, I don't really honestly have that much of an opinion on okay. on that part. So I, I can ramble and try and make something up, but I don't think nope. I have anything good to say. I'd rather you not. So, I, 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 like yeah. your, I like your honesty. How about you, Mason? What do you think of Nate Thrasher? Uh, you think it was just, uh, do you think it was a good interview? Yeah, I thought the interview was fine. I will say that nothing really stuck out to me, like with Dean and Chase and Cameron. Um, it, like I kind of agree with Kit. Like it just was, it was okay. It just kind yeah. of seemed generic. Didn't really get too detailed. Wasn't too polished. It was okay. It was good. Okay. All right. Hey, sometimes this is the way they go, man. I mean, you know, we listen for the entertainment and sometimes they're not as good as others, but, um, all right, Tits, you uh, you help Steve with a lot of things, right? You get you do the mountain bike stuff, the e-bikes, you cook the tomahawks. Uh, do what? It's a full-time job yeah. doing all this mountain bike work. I bet. And then, the, of course, cooking the tomahawk steaks, mm-hmm. um, which obviously uh, Paul said he, he is not confident in Steve getting a pedal bike and that it was a stupid purchase. And then Steve said pedaling is boring. <laughs> We're going to get into some mountain bike stuff, but mm-hmm. – do you do you feel I'm trying to think of how I want to ask this? So Steve uses you for a lot of stuff. I'm sure he pays you for all this stuff. But do you feel like you and Steve are friends, or do you feel like you're an employee, or is there a balance? Uh, a little bit of both. Uh, when I first started the Pulp Show years and years ago, you know, we we went to dinner a few times with uh, uh, you know the 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 wives and everything like that, and then um. We we are obviously friendly, but I I don't know that he he never calls to to shoot the crap, but that okay. doesn't uh, you know that doesn't bother me. Um, but yeah, we're I do a lot of stuff for him, and we have uh, let's call it an arrangement. You know, um, I like I I think it's kind of fun to say that I'm his. He, he he's a factory mechanic and wants nothing to do with a mountain bike, and I'm not too bad at, at doing that stuff. So I, I don't have issues with working on that stuff. And sometimes it does blow my mind how he has zero interest in trying even the most simple things, but in the end it's, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to do it. All right. Well, speaking of the mountain bikes, my favorite segment is the race tech rant pulp 21 to save. Let's just listen. There's a, a trail that goes, bends to the right, kind of swoops down a little bit, and then you have a rock. I'm going to say it's three feet tall, pretty slopey, steep backside, little kick, little starter rocks on each side, and you ride over the rock, right? Okay. Now, when I started mountain biking, I did not ride over this rock. It was a little scary. It's a big rock. There's a, a, a line to the left of the rock, and you just go around it. Okay. I'm confused how you're going to get to a ramp, but go ahead. Keep going. Okay. These <laughs> assholes, and I think they're Strava assholes. I don't know who they are. If I caught them, I'd, I'd ghost, buy, ghost ride my e-bike into them because parts are free and tits will fix it. Okay. So what is the point here? What's the rant? These fucking guys keep stacking rocks up. Oh, around the cheater line. Next to the, around on the, the cheater line. So you can't go around this rock. Like, who the fuck cares? Getting off your bike to stack rocks. Yes. That's said, a bit ridiculous. You're, you're taking 30 minutes, 20 minutes out of your ride to fight. So every so often, these rocks are gone. Like, people are like, fuck your rocks. And they move the rocks because the Strava fucking idiots are worried about people cutting over this rock. Who's so angry about yeah. this trail over this rock that they're stacking rocks 
a foot high. That was actually me. Sorry about that. I was. <laughs> All right. So here's one of the reasons I love the rant segment tits is even when it's a topic I don't care about, like I don't really ride mountain bikes. I don't care that somebody stacks rocks. I think it's kind of a dill hole move, but it's so fucking entertaining to listen to him go off on whatever he's going off on. Yeah, he does a good job of it. I don't know, I guess, to follow up on the actual rant itself. I don't know if he put it on social media or not, but in our in our Pulp Show text thread, he actually sent a photo of the place that he was talking about. And it's, I'm actually pretty familiar with it. And I, I have to agree with him 100%. I don't know why they're doing that because it's not like it's keeping you on a trail in a dangerous area why these people feel like, Hey, we don't want you to ever be able to go off of this one part. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. And really the only thing that does make sense is the people on Strava. Like, Hey, uh, you're not allowed to get off here. Of course, it's not that hard to bunny hop over the rocks. Should you feel inclined to do so? If you're, if you're going to be good enough to go, uh, going for that Strava segment, you should be able to bunny hop over these rocks. Um, but it's definitely dumb and it doesn't make any sense to me. So I I actually agree with Steve on that one, but to your point, he, he can make pretty much any complaint uh, fun to listen to because sometimes it is on the ridiculous side of things. Uh, You know, he's kind of pushing to, to make the rant more legitimate, but uh, they're always fun. Yeah. So he did post the picture on Instagram. I saw that today. And my thoughts are, and I don't know, Mason, if you're a mountain bike guy, a Strava guy, but if you, like he said, when he first started, he wasn't as comfortable. He didn't ride over the rock. If you're one of these older people that rent a bicycle and you're not as talented or comfortable to go over the rock, your time is probably so much slower than the people that are worried about Strava anyway. What does it matter if they go around? It's still not really going to affect like your best time or whatever. Like I, I wouldn't think. I don't know a lot about it. What are your thoughts, Mason? Uh, so I am a big mountain bike guy. I ride Perfect. mountain bikes a couple of days a week. So um very familiar with Strava. I could understand the people on Strava not wanting to get their time interfered. But to your point, if it's somebody that's renting a bike, that's probably not who's going to be, uh, you know, going for that king of the mountain time. Um, as someone who uses the cheater lines a lot, I do like them. But, <laughs> you know, you definitely want to be able to, to push yourself and get better. But I don't think there's any reason to block you know, a cheater line right. to go around something to, I mean, just it's exciting seeing more people out there. I think, you know, people on the trail should be happy. More yeah. people are out there and learning it. Pretty lame to be it, stacking rocks. It, it should all be on the honor system anyway. So yep. if someone steals a segment, then shame on them. I yeah, wholeheartedly agree. Even though I actually am on Strava, I just don't hardly ever go ride. And when I do, well, it's embarrassing. And the people who are on Strava, if they're worried about that cheater line, they could also use that cheater line and save the half a second that it would take too. <laughs> right. Yeah. If they if they want to sink to that level of the people stacking the damn rocks, yeah. Go. It's it's silly. It's just people just people are so such assholes now. I don't know. Just about everything. Oh, man. Anyway. All right. Paul Parabinos. He had a rant about race day live. And this has been the TV package, NBC, the coverage, Mason, has been a huge deal. He's not completely – he's not wrong at all. Even on the the race, the main race, uh, Saturday night, I know everybody saw, like, Heat 2, the 450s takes off, and they go to the Chase Sexton interview. 
without it took a while before they went to picture in picture. There is definitely something going on within I don't know if it's Bondo, I don't know who decides. I mean, he's he's the director. I don't understand why they do like what he said where they don't show a hot lap. They show the guy rolling around and they just mention it so but somebody just got done with a hot lap. It makes no sense. I don't know how to fix it. I don't know why somebody in NBC hasn't addressed it. It is extremely frustrating. It is frustrating. I don't watch race day live too much, but I actually did on Saturday. Well, I tried to, I saw the first time qualifying and I actually saw McAdoo's um, first heater lap where he qualified first before a couple other people jumped ahead of him. Mm -hmm. And then it was so boring after that. I turned it off. I had no interest watching people roll around. It is cool watching them learn the track and all that. But other than that, there's not a whole lot of action. Um, And I don't have a solution for it either, but something definitely needs to change. I usually have it on, but I'm not watching it that much either because you're right. It's pretty damn boring. Um, I like to support Daniel. I like to hear what he has to say sometimes. I thought this last week's was pretty rough because I just don't think Dungey's very good on air. As he, and he was kind of like, You yes. watch your mouth. You I know you're a your Dungey fan, man, and I think <laughs> oh, Dungey's so talented. But, all right, here's my thing with him, Tits, is he is so uncomfortable um, – like he feel he still has to be politically correct, you know, and be he feels like oh I'm gonna get in trouble, and it kind of bums me out when somebody asks him a question that you really love him to get or or somebody makes a joke and he's kind of like oh geez yeah you know and he just doesn't want to he doesn't want to play along a little bit and it kind of bums me out because I know he's got yeah. good stories right that he could but isn't that endearing I mean that he's just this <laughs> vanilla guy no I'm I'm kidding um. It, it, it's very ingrained in him that he's, you know, he hasn't been able, whether he hasn't been out long enough or whatever to, to really let loose. But I, I do agree with you and, and I li- like listening to him, but he's definitely not the best uh, right. uh, guy. Yeah. And I know we jumped off topic, but uh, yeah. So Paul's right. They need this. Something has to get fixed. And I don't know. Everybody's saying like it's not going to be part of NBC next year, or NBC doesn't have it, and I don't know what the deal is. I don't know what the TV package is next year. The, the things that, I've heard that there's changes coming, but I thought they were still with Patreon or uh, not Patreon, Peacock, NBC for a while. Hopefully, they get it figured out next year. It's been definitely a mess. Um, speaking of segments, because we just talked about the Race Tech rant segment, uh, tits. Do you have a favorite segment that you look forward to? Um, first commercial break when I get to <laughs> okay. eat. It's uh, <laughs> not really what I meant. I'm in a sponsored uh, segment, but that's a good I, one. I, I, I'm kidding about that. Um, that's a good one though. I like it. Uh, you know, they're, they're all, I, I still, I don't know. I guess there's different strokes for different folks. Right. But mm-hmm. I really liked his future headlines. No one would ever want to sponsor that for some reason, because it was so polarizing, but that was what was so fun about it was that, he had these two crazy takes and you had to choose one or the other, even though they were both insane. Yeah. And that's what I thought was fun about it. So that doesn't happen near as often as it should. Um, but as far as ones that are regular, um, you know, the race tech rant is fun when he has something that's, you know, maybe a little more legitimate as opposed to being contrived because he has to have a race tech rant. Um, the, the tear-offs, I, I think they're all good. The tear-offs okay. are good because usually the questions are so bad. Uh, sorry, Mosier, um, but sometimes you're li- thinking 
listening to me, you're thinking, I can't believe this is actually a question. Not to say that I could do better because I can't, but I'm not being paid to do that spot. So right. that's, you know, you got to know your role. Well, motorsport, uh, those who ride dirt bikes, motorcycles, ATVs, and UTVs know motorsport is the best place for OEM and aftermarket parts, riding gear, and accessories. Motorsport.com's dedicated team of gearheads have the knowledge and expertise to help get your ride working at peak performance and have you looking good too. Whether you race on the track, ride on the trails, or commute on the street, make your next ride your best ride only at motorsport.com. And that brings us to the motorsport tweet at tits, sometimes talent. Sometimes that was a solid segue, by the way. You're just well, and then you just get into your read, and then you move on. <laughs> it was it was it was smooth, man. I'm almost like a professional. Great, yeah, very well done. Yeah, uh, very impressed, Mason. You had a question about the motorsport tweet segment. Yeah, I've got two of them for you, Tits. Uh, number one, okay. do you read and sift through those as the show is going? And if so, how long does it take you to pick them out? And number two, where is Keelmix Stovepipe? Where has he been? Oh, but both very good questions. Thank you for asking. Um, so, so I was actually listening last week. You had Travis on. Um, he did okay. Talent, uh, but he was a talent last week. Well, yeah, Travis was on too. That's right. Yeah, they were both on. Yeah, Sorry. Yeah. yeah. Um, so the way we all do our tweets in a different way. Travis saying was he does screenshots, and I think Talon just kind of scrolls through and finds ones that he's remembering but i actually have a browser open on my computer and i open up a new tab for every single tweet that way i don't have to research for them and then i do that at the beginning of the show and then as the show goes on if something has been addressed sufficiently i will you know get rid of it close that tab or if something that was touched on but I want it. I think they could go further. I'll actually move the tabs to the left. Super geeky stuff, by the way. That way I know that they're a higher priority than the other ones. Um, and then, yeah, just go through there. And there, there have been times where I missed um, them talking about something. And then I'll ask the question. They say, uh, yeah, I already covered it. And then you look like a dummy. But uh, uh, that's the, the method there. But I've not seen any tweets from Keel McStovepipe in – a long time because uh, I'm very familiar with his name. Yeah, it's interesting. Some of those guys just kind of disappear. Or they get tired of running two accounts, probably. It must have just what? been Marks because he seemed to only tweet when Marks was reading tweets. Oh, there's a theory. Uh, could be. No, that's it. account. Very. Uh, it, it, it is funny when people complain about, hey, you never pick my questions because we're looking them all from the Pulp Show account. Uh, and there's been times where someone has been saying that. And I'm like, I don't even remember seeing a question, let alone choosing to not even ask it. So how some people complain that theirs don't get asked when whether they don't submit it regularly enough or whatever, you know, I don't know. But um, we usually try and pick some decent ones. Yeah, I think they're, it's a good segment. They're uh, in good intros. Uh, yours, I agree, is better than Talon's, but I do like Talon's. Um, yep. I think you really have to be a super fan. Like I didn't quite get it at first. It had to be explained to me and I went, ah, oh, yeah. So you, you Wh- which really... one for, go ahead. No, which one are you, which would you say you didn't? Oh, Talons Talons, with yeah. The, yeah. The, the, I didn't, I wasn't getting the, yeah, I wasn't uh-huh. getting the connection with Eagle grit and Daniel Blair and beaks and talents. It just, it didn't click with me until somebody said something. So it's good stuff. Uh, all right, so the only tweet uh, that I kind of made a comment or a note on was 
somebody asked about starting a feud for entertainment with other podcasts, and I thought it was kind of funny, Mason, that Steve brought up at one point DMX, the guys at DMXS were upset because they had heard that Steve was talking shit or whatever, you know, and we've kind of heard the gypsy tale stuff, and he stands by his opinion of you need to be at the races if, you know, if you're going to be involved with Motospy or whatever, but... I don't know, man. I don't see any. I don't see Steve starting a feud for entertainment value. No, I don't think Steve would start it by any means. But I could see other smaller podcasts trying to start something just to kind of get uh, people listening to their side of the story to kind of help their uh, listeners or viewers or whatever. But I don't think Steve's in a position that he has any desire to start any beef with anyone. He's just going to call it how he sees it and say his opinion and move on. I agree. Uh, here's what I want to move on to. Speaking of move on, the absolute highlight of the night, I mean, the, the best moment of the whole night, Nick from Moto Limited Show calls in all the way from Australia just to say this. Thanks, Nick. Anything else? Um, when are we getting Dockstar back in studio? I don't know. I, I don't know. Should we get him back in? I mean, I, I, I wanted to get him in a couple weeks ago. Mark's told me no. I would, I would have Darkside back in. I, we need to figure it out, I guess. Yeah. I am not doing a wrap-up or a sound check pod with him. I'm not. Hell, hell will freeze over before I do a sound check pod with Darkseid. The wrap up shows are fun, dude. Never listen to one. Well, they're good. They're fa- it's the you, best. Rap- all you do is make fun of it, so it doesn't. I don't make fun of it. I'm trying to bring it. I'm trying to elevate oh, it to a new level, it. like what you, you did with Dean. You critique it. Trying to bring it to a new level. First, f you, Marks. But I, I don't know. All I really heard. Well, there's two things. Is that I might actually be back in studio, Mason. Which I was surprised. I wasn't really thinking he would say yes to that, especially on air. I just figured he'd be like, yeah, I'm not having him back. No, I'm pumped. I can't wait for you to go back in studio. I thought you did a great job last time. Well, thanks. We'll see if it happens. But talent or tits, the thing, Steve knows how bad I that's want to a do a fine. sound check. Do what? That's a fine. You oh, calling that's... me talent, that's a fine. <laughs> well, we were just talking about talent. You're definitely but... not going yeah. back now. Yeah. I'll, pay yeah. the, I'll pay the fine. That's fine. One and done. I. It, it drives me insane, and I feel like that's why he says it, but I that he won't do a sound check with me. It freaking infuriates me uh yeah uh, by the way going back steve likes to throw people under the bus even if there's absolutely zero uh truth to it like he he blames me for stuff all the time that i have nothing to do with yeah and him saying hey i wanted to bring him back in but travis said no i'm not privy to all of their conversations but i have a pretty strong uh belief that that was not uh, reality, just so you know. Yeah, um, I know, I know. I, I think okay. I think Marks and I are pretty it, good buddies, and he texted me. I actually gave, I sent him a text. I was like, "What the f, dude?" It, it, it is funny when when he does stuff like that, yeah. though, which is obviously why he does it. Well, and the funny thing about that really is that there are a lot of listeners that believe that shit. Wholeheartedly. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Yep. I get DMs guys all the time. That's like, why do you allow Steve to talk to you that way? Why do you put up with it? I would never, you know, like, he's he's wrong. He's an asshole. I'm like, you, you guys realize if he really didn't like me, he wouldn't pay me to do this show. He wouldn't take my call every time I call in. I mean, I, it's, but people buy in, dude, full throttle. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, of course, I call in, Mason, and I get, uh, I get some shit for, you know, uh, pre- <laughs> For letting the, the the pictures out of the twenty one fly kinetic mesh a little early, <laughs> I, I jumped the gun just a little. I misread the email because I was excited. I was driving to work and I read it. I was like, "Oh shit, these are going up right now." 
Um, so I got a little bit of shit for that, but that's typical. Yeah, and, and you should have. <laughs> that was, yeah, it's yeah, justified, yeah. Here's yep. the thing. I was actually very – I was really lucky when JT called that morning. He was not, like, angry. It was – because JT still scares me just a little bit. And he's like, yeah, no big deal. It's, you know, just – you know, you, didn't you read the email? And I was like, yeah, I scanned it while I was driving and I was excited. I'm sorry. So I did see your post Shame first thing you. that morning too. Yeah. I, and I didn't know anything about Dude. the embargo or anything, but I, I do remember seeing well, it. People were commenting like embargo question mark. And I was like, no, it's cool, man. They, they said, they said, go ahead. Like I was, I was just an idiot. I was completely oblivious to that. They were like saying, Hey dude, they're not supposed to be up yet. I had WPS guys going like uh, a little early, right? I'm like, no, nah, man, it's cool. So, yeah, I'm an idiot. Whatever, it happens. Uh, and I okay, so I made a hint that I know I have some breaking news, right? That I'm keeping to myself. And I think the press release came out today. Steve definitely beat me to it on Saturday. He made a tweet about. We, we're going to have a, a new guy in the booth this weekend and next. I don't know if you guys have seen it, but... Uh, DB, right? That's yeah, what he Daniel said. will be in the booth. And I, I, I kind of mentioned it Monday night because I've known about this since Arlington. And I've kept my mouth shut because, well, I mean, St- or Daniel wouldn't completely uh, tell me it was a fact, but I'd overheard some stuff where I knew that it was going down. And he's like, yeah, I can't talk about it. And please don't talk about it. So I kept my mouth shut. But uh, so I can keep a secret. I just screwed up with the fly stuff. But what do you guys think about that? I mean, it wasn't talked about Monday night. I think they probably, I'm going to guess Daniel asked Steve not to. I don't know that for sure. What do you think, uh, Tits, about Daniel working with Ricky uh, for the main show? Uh, I think it'll be very cool. Um, I like, I think, Todd Harris. Uh, I think he did, did a good job. Lee Diffie. Um, I, I like people, you know, I guess accents, but sometimes I feel like they use a bunch of people with accents to make their show sound more, um, authentic or something like that. You know, uh, I, I'm getting a little sidetracked, but well, I know in what you're general, trying to say, yeah, like it, it, yeah, uh, it, it's like a ploy. It's a tactic that they use, get a bunch of people with accents in there and it makes them, makes us sound more diverse and whatnot. But yeah, I, I do like Daniel Blair in general. I think he does a good job. I think it'll be great for him to do that. But as far as it was mentioned on the show and, and it kind of just got moved on and I don't know that that was on purpose or if that was that they just got sidetracked and then just forgot to, to come back, I, I don't know the answer to that. Oh, I guess I missed it if they said it was something about it Monday night. I, I, I had heard something somewhere okay. about DB on there, and I don't think that it was uh, off the show, but I, I could be wrong. It might know. have been when they were talking about Race Day Live, but maybe I'm wrong. If if they did mention it, I completely missed it, Mason. But what do you think, man? I mean, I, I'm i biased. I'm pretty tight with Daniel, and but I, I honestly think he's very, very good at what he does, and I think it's going to be – I just don't think that anybody's going to have anything to complain about. They'll still complain, yeah, I, but it'd be ridiculous. Uh, there's always going to be something to complain about. I definitely think he will do a good job. Um, th- you may have touched on this, or they may have. I don't know. But is it just going to be Ricky and Daniel, or is there going to be three of them? It's supposed to be just the so two of them. So who's going to be kind of that lead role, assuming Ricky? Uh, no, I think Daniel will take the um, play-by-play, quote-unquote, the, the Ralph Shaheen role, and Ricky will still be the... Um, 
where they, the the analyst, I guess. Or, yeah, I guess they call it the analyst. That, that, that's what he does on Race Day Live. He's the the play by play, and then he yeah. used to have uh, um, what's his bucket in there, whoever. Oh, oh, uh, Dan Hubbard. Okay, on Race Day Live. That's who you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Dan I was Hubbard. talking about last year. Oh, uh, Uncle Uncle Paul or whatever. Holly, Holly. That's yep. it. Bad with names right now. Yeah, so I think it's uh, you know I know they did a tryout in Arlington, like a test run and. He's basically the play-by. He'll be the play-by-play. He'll be the Ralph Shaheen. But I feel I don't know this for a fact. I haven't talked to him about it. But I think he'll be able to also kind of be himself. Like he's knowledgeable about the the the, the racing side of it. Also, I think he'll be able to throw it to Ricky a little differently than the other guys do. I, that's what I expect. I just I think it's gonna be. I'm so, I'm excited, man. I knew this is something that Daniel's been working towards for a long time, and I've been you know hoping for it. So I, I'm very excited. Anyway, again, we got off Pulpamex. Sorry, Steve. Didn't mean to. Didn't mean to stray. But uh, you know, you guys know about Michelin motorcycle tires from Pulpamex show, and I'm excited to announce that Michelin bicycle tires, Michelin bicycle tires, is still a proud sponsor of the Pulpamex wrap up show. In 1891, Michelin patented the first detachable bead pneumatic bicycle tire, and to this day, Michelin continues to innovate and produce world class podium finishing products for both road and mountain bikes. If you'd like to ride the same Michelin bicycle tires as mountain bike legend Cam Zink and the 2019 EWS champion Sam Hill, visit bike.michelin.com for all the details on Michelin's extensive range of bicycle products. And also follow them at Michelin Bicycle on Instagram. Um, Tits, you're a, you're a Randy Richardson guy. You're a Michelin guy. Those bicycle tires are good, man. Uh, you know, I've never actually uh, – I, I don't know if I'm allowed to promote another sponsor. I, I've – I've used Michelin stuff, but I'm there's another sponsor on another radio show that I do. That's an hour show every mm-hmm. Thursday that I'm a very big, uh, very big fan of. So apologies to Randy. He may never talk to me again, but well, um, yeah, I, I kind of crapped on that. Let me try I, to, let I shouldn't me, have done that. You need to give him a shot. I think you'd be surprised. I also have gotten in trouble for using that other brand of tire, mm-hmm. but, mm-hmm. but when I did it, it was a tire that Michelin did not, have and they still don't have the type of tire i am using although well documented yeah michelin does have a bmx tire now so if you guys race bmx connor field style they have multiple sizes and uh slick and different terrain uh different treads so michelin bike bike bike.michelin.com for all your bicycle needs uh with michelin tires uh all right i want to talk about expert teros real quick Steve said the Lucids are out. They're flying off the shelf. And if you guys want some, go to your local dealership. WPS is a supplier for of X-Brand goggles. So any of your local dealerships should have them. They are fantastic. Have you got a set of those yet, Tits? Uh, I saw one in studio. It's actually a pre pre-release version before mm-hmm. they were they were out. And they definitely look nice. Um I'm sad to admit this, but I don't. I don't think I've ridden a dirt bike in a year. I, I, I mountain wow. bike every every so often, um, but I'm I'm also a, a fly racing uh, athlete, uh, as much as anyone can be called one. Where I get discounts on sure, products, sure. Uh, but I actually really like fly racing goggles. The New Zone Pro is actually really good. Those are a really um, good but, goggle. You're right. But I I, I, I would not. I would not. Uh, turn down a chance to try the Lucids. I just haven't brought myself to actually pay for a pair. Well, they're fantastic. I have a pair in my hand right now. I just actually showed Mason. Uh, they're they're awesome. Go to your local dealership. Support the uh, the companies that support 
Pulpamex. Uh, something that was brought up on X Brand Tear Offs. And I, I don't remember the guy's name, but oh, it's Moser, duh. It's Moser, that, yeah, that guy that I've never met. I don't really know him, but I've heard his name. Nobody knows him. We yeah. get random questions yeah. every week. Yeah. Probably hanging out with Andrew Short somewhere. He, he brought up no arguments with JT on the review show. And Steve said, I was tired, tits. I don't, I didn't think we were allowed to be tired when we do shows. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. He's, he, he's Steve's the boss. He can do what he wants. So I, true, and I'm not, right? I'm, I'm not here to criticize him and tell him what he can or can't do. Well, he said, uh, JT said so many wrong things. And JT said, hey, I'm just trying to be a better version of myself. So no arguments. Mason, you a big review show. You listen to the race reviews? I do listen to the race views uh, most of the time. I like getting a lot of the behind the race scenes more. It seems they go into more details on the actual race. Um, on the review and the preview than they do, obviously, on the Pulp Show. Um, so I do like that about the review show. Yeah, I, I liked. I haven't listened to the last couple because of just lack of time, but I, it's one of my favorite things Steve does, but it's not so much the content as, the as I've said here, the, the relationship between him, Weege, and JT, and the dynamic of how they do shows together. I think those three together usually is the best stuff Steve does. Uh you know, on, on average, like the, it's always good. It's, it's never bad yeah. when those three are together. It, it's yeah, my I favorite one that. to listen to. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead, Mason. Oh, I was just going to say that I don't see the review and preview being as entertaining, but I feel like they're oftentimes more informational. Yeah. Okay. Uh, okay guys. So don't forget about the Yamaha LCQ challenge. You can go to pulpmex.com, click on the, I think there's a banner at the top that you can click on. And get yourself some tickets. Paul's got a strategy. He's going to buy some last minute to try to win the Yamaha 450. I need to win the one, the 250. Out, I think it's outdoors that they're doing the 250. That's what I'm looking to buy. I may just wait and see if I win one. Uh, yeah, <laughs> you're gonna have to get into the top hundred before you're oh, even remotely well, close. Yeah. yeah, I'm gonna have to really just that. hope I win the random one somehow. That's mm-hmm. the only way it's ever gonna happen. But, but by the way. Paul's not wrong that as history has shown and they talked about it is it seems like the dude who wins it, it was like someone who bought it within the last like, couple of days beforehand, yes. which is really weird considering it is all randomized and everything like that. But uh, uh, history has shown if you want a better chance of winning, you wait until the very end, which they should have never said that, by the way, because <laughs> I think that I think that really killed a lot of the momentum on they should have said this guy bought it. January third, yeah. and you know, or or whatever, you know, something like that. Right. Yeah. Wait until the very end. Maybe they'll get a whole bunch of of uh, orders coming in at the very end. I still need to buy some tickets. I'm, I I may wait till last minute, or I may I don't know. It doesn't matter. I'm not going to win no matter what. I just my luck isn't that good. Uh, two more quick little things. Going back to McAdoo, uh, being allowed to race. Steve told a story, Mason, about Cade Clayson at Daytona when he crashed and he needed to go, you know, his, his wife, Sarah, said, hey, go to the, to, to the truck, to the Astros truck, and, uh, or Alpine Star's truck, and get taped up. And then the doc was like, yeah, I saw your crash. You can't race. That blew my mind. Like, how the hell do they come probably 30 minutes, an hour later, and be like, no, no, dude, you're not racing. That's unreal. Well, was that it? Was that the case? I, I may have missed it, but was it a not on the spot decision? Cade no. was going up to the gate. He went back okay. and said he was talking to his wife and was like trying to get taped up. And she said, "Well, go to the truck and 
have them help tape you up. And when he went to get taped up, they were like, yeah, the doc said, no, I saw your crash. You're not racing. That's how I understood right. it. it. Yes. And then later, I think he tried to say, well, yeah, screw that. Then from yeah. what I tried thought, to line I up. Was like, when he tried to line up and they said, no, you're out of here, which I don't know enough about their procedures, but I don't know how you can, if you've got a bad knee or something, usually the only time they can say you're out is if it's usually concussion type stuff. Uh, so it doesn't make, I think that's why everyone was so shocked by it that like they're totally overstepping, assuming it's the way he's presenting it. Sure. They, that's, uh, definitely seems like a, uh, abuse of power or, you know, overstepping or something like that. Yeah. I feel like, like, uh, I if, mean, go ahead, Mason. I was just going to say hindsight's twenty twenty. If he wouldn't have gone to the Asterix truck and he just would have went straight to the line, I'd be curious to know if they would have yanked him off the gate. Um, as opposed to sitting him down before he even got the chance. Right, me too. It's just a crazy story. Again, if you don't listen to Pulp Mex, you're not going to hear stuff like that. That's that's the stuff you get out of the show. I uh, I want to give a quick shout-out to the, the chat room on YouTube. I, I'm generally in there every week. This week, man, there's some guys that were on fire. It was funny. A lot of good comments coming on. If you guys don't get a chance or don't take the time to try to watch some on Monday night, whether it be on Facebook or YouTube, I think you're missing out. It's it's a lot. You get a lot different dynamic, a different feel by watching it. Uh, it's a lot of fun to see the reaction. So give that a shot if you're not already. Uh, and I want to thank all of our sponsors again: Guts Racing, Motorsport.com, Michelin Bicycle Tires, Seal Savers, all sponsors of the Pulp Mix Wrap Up Show. And I want to encourage you guys to go to PulpMixShow.com, click on the Sponsor Deals tab, go through, use the discount codes for all the Pulp sponsors. Uh, those guys spend a lot of money with Steve to keep these shows going and uh, allow him to do what he does for us. So give back by using the codes, our jerky, whoever else that you want. Go go support them. X-Brand Goggles, Fly Racing, everybody. Uh, send any comments, thoughts, any, uh, any questions you might have for Hello Pookie segment coming up soon to myself at darkside at pulpamex.com. Other than that, tits, anything else before we go? Um, nope. Just glad to be here. And, uh, yeah, hopefully it wasn't too bad. <laughs> it was great, man. I appreciate you. Mason, anything else, buddy? No, I'm all set. Thanks for having me back. Dark side. All right. Well, other than that, it's a wrap. We'll be back next week. Why would you want to talk, re-talk about the pulp show? Say all along.